We're continuing in our teaching series, The Story of Everything, this morning, where together we are looking at 100 essential passages of Scripture and seeing how they tell God's story, the story of everything, and how we fit into that story. It's easy to think of the Bible as a collection of different, unrelated pieces. We have Noah's Ark here. We have a prophecy there. We have some stories about Jesus near the back. But as we're beginning to see through this series, in a sense, the Bible is a really big family story. It's a family that starts in Genesis and carries on to this very day. And as everyone knows, families are complicated. I recently watched the new Disney movie, Encanto, and I was very impressed by how it showed such real family dynamics in simple and profound ways. In the movie, the cracks in the family house are a sign of deeper dysfunction. You see through the movie how different family members have different roles, both healthy and unhealthy, and how pain in one generation ripples down to the next. It's not hard to find a character to relate to in the movie, to feel that we can both resonate with and understand the family dynamics at play. Well, this week, it may also be easy for us to find ourselves in the story of everything, as the biblical narrative tackles issues that may feel very close to home for many of us. Family conflict, life plans going completely awry, and the silence of God in the midst of it all. So stick with me as I map out a little bit of where we are and try and connect the dots between last Sunday and this Sunday. Last week, Tyler spoke to us about Abraham, the father of faith, and the covenant that God made with him. If you read through all the E100 readings last week, you would have heard about Abraham's son, Isaac, the beloved son, the son of promise given to him in his old age. And then you would have heard about how Isaac grew up and had twin boys, Jacob and Esau, and the bitter conflict between them. These three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they make up the patriarchs, the father of the Abrahamic religions. And so God is known through all of scripture as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we have Jacob's son, Joseph. Joseph has 10 older brothers, one older sister, and a younger brother. He also happens to be Jacob's favorite kid. I don't have kids but it seems like general parenting wisdom that you don't play favorites with your children, at least openly. It can only lead to hurt and resentment. And we see that this is exactly what happens here. Joseph is the apple of his dad's eye, the son of his favorite wife, Rachel. When he's 17, Jacob gives Joseph a very nice coat that essentially signals to the rest of the family that Jacob sees Joseph as the leader among his brothers, despite being almost the youngest. As you can imagine, this does not go over well. And when Joseph unwisely starts bragging about having dreams of his whole family bowing down to him, his brothers really start hating him. Throughout the whole story of Genesis so far, we've seen this conflict between siblings come up over and over again, and it forms a key theme in the whole book, Cain and Abel. Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, families are complicated. 
And sibling relationships can be very hard. And now that same conflict has been passed down to the next generation. That's where our reading this morning picks up, with Joseph, still essentially a kid, sent by his father to check on his brothers where they're pasturing the sheep. They're about 80 kilometers away from home, quite a journey. And when his brothers see him coming in his fancy coat off in the distance, knowing that they're far from home and there's nobody watching, they make plans to kill him. Get the pesky brother out of the way and restore family order to the way it should be. Well, not all of the brothers agree to actual murder. Judah has the bright idea of selling Joseph instead of killing him, and thus making a few bucks in the process. And the brothers decide this is a good idea. So at the young age of 17, Joseph is stripped of his beautiful coat, thrown into an unused well, and trafficked by his own brothers to slave traders who just happened to be passing by on their way to Egypt. It will be a full 13 years before he regains his freedom. 13 years spent in captivity, deprived of his culture, his family, his language, and his youth. And all of this by his own brothers, betrayal at its most personal and most devastating. And where is God in this, in this story? I've been reading through the Bible beginning in Genesis this year, and as an exercise, I've been underlining in blue every time that God speaks. Up until this point in Genesis, you can't turn a page without seeing blue on it somewhere. From the creation of the world to Adam and Noah and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, all of them hear God speaking clearly. And then Joseph is thrown into a pit and the blue underlining stops. We go one week from hearing God speaking to Abraham almost like a brother. He takes him outside and shows him the stars to Abraham's great-grandson, alone, far from home, in a dungeon. No vision of stars, no promises that this is going to work out at all, just the silence of God. Maybe today, some of you can relate to this place that Joseph finds himself in, and there is a lot here to relate to. Maybe you've seen the stress of the last couple years taking its toll on your family, and what used to be minor cracks have started deepening and spreading until you're not sure how or if they can be fixed. Maybe someone close to you has hurt and betrayed you, and the unrelenting ache goes all the way through you. Maybe the plans that you have had for your life have been totally derailed. And like Joseph, you find yourself in a place that makes no sense, where you feel useless, lost, or forgotten. Maybe the silence of God is weighing heavily on you today, and you long to hear his voice, to know how it all fits together, or even just that he is in control, despite what it may feel like. Or maybe you find yourself in the position of Jacob, holding the remnant of his son's fancy cloak, seeing the unintended consequences of his own actions, not knowing the full picture, 
but knowing that he has lost more than he can bear. If you find yourself in any of these places this morning, take heart. You are not alone. God has not forgotten you. Whether you find yourself in this place because of your own actions or the actions of others, or maybe simply because things are not going your way, let me assure you, God loves you. God has not forgotten you, and there is hope. We don't get to see how the story works out in our passage this morning. It's a longer story, and it will happen over the course of the E100 readings this week, and I highly encourage you to read the whole thing. It is full of tenderness and wisdom and compassion. But I will give you a spoiler of the ending, because this is a story of hope, and we all need a little hope these days. It's about God working a miracle in Joseph's heart so that this family story can continue and becomes large enough to embrace the whole world. If anyone ever had a reason to feel bitter and angry, Joseph did. Deeply betrayed by his brothers, stripped of everything, forgotten in a dungeon, it would have been easy, so very easy, to let bitterness sink in and begin to grow to rehearse over and over what had been done to him, to tell the story of betrayal in words that become a familiar mantra of anger and hate. Have you ever found yourself doing this? I know I have. The stories get going in our heads, a rhythm that becomes both comforting and poisoning at the same time. And if it's left unchecked, it can be deadly. And it would have been oh so easy for Joseph to keep reciting that mantra, to feel that he had been, been abandoned, not just by his brothers, but by God, and to turn on his family and on God in return. It could have been the end of this family story, ground to a halt in the dust of Egypt and in the pain of Joseph's heart. And yet, somehow, in the darkness of that dungeon, with everything taken away from him, God works a miracle in Joseph. Rather than turning away from God, God becomes Joseph's only hope. Rather than rejecting God, Joseph begins to cling to him in the darkness. And like a seed planted underground, the circumstances surrounding Joseph begin to soften him until he rises up again once, once again into the light and is able to bring life and hope to so many. It is that first miracle of Joseph being open to what God is doing that enables a further miracle of forgiveness when Joseph finally confronts his brothers. Here's what he says to them when they're all finally face to face, realizing what they have done to him. Don't be angry, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves. You didn't sell me here, God sent me here to preserve life. It was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow, wow, betrayed, abandoned, forgotten, and this is what has grown in Joseph's heart. There are many miracles in the Bible. And in the weeks to come, we'll hear of some of the more spectacular ones. But one of the greatest miracles to me here is the story of Joseph, 
the miracle of a heart that is kept soft despite terrible circumstances. The miracle of restored family relationships. The miracle of forgiveness that enables a t an entire family to survive. And because they survive, they will go on to become the Israelite nation from whom the Messiah of the world will come. This is not just Joseph's story, and it's not just Joseph's miracle. This is our story and our miracle. Because Joseph wasn't the only person to be betrayed by a loved one, to be sold, and to be planted like a seed in the dark, only to rise up and bring life to many. Many years in the future, many years after Joseph, a descendant would be born in the line of Joseph's brother Judah, the same brother who sold Joseph for a few coins. And this descendant, who is known as Jesus, the Lion of Judah, would be sold for a paltry sum. He would be hung on a cross. And on that cross, he would hold all of the pain, all of the grief, all the betrayals, and the sin that the world has ever known. And in doing so, he would give us a chance to accept the miracle of a soft heart, a heart of forgiveness, a heart of love. My prayer for each of you this week who may be burdened by pain and hurt is that like Joseph, you may experience this miracle in your lives. That like Joseph, you may cling to God with the hope that he will see you through. And like Joseph, you may rise out of the darkness with a heart made soft and a new understanding of how God is working in your life. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.